Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. Here we will delicately and tactfully walk through each psychological issue. Psych! This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. This is not intended as individual, psychological, or medical advice. Please proceed at your own risk and always defer to your individual medical or mental health care team. Basically, don't make it weird, guys. Right. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shit Your Shrink Thinks. When I just asked Michaela if she wanted to intro us into our episode today, she said, I can do it, but it's not going to be fun. I don't know what to... It sounded very punishing, honestly. I was scared. I just get in my head. Yeah. Imagine that. We're mental health people who get in our own heads. It, yeah, right. The the criticism, the constant criticism is real. We're basically paralyzed by fear at all times, <laughs> but we're doing our best. Do your best. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's where you're going. Have you guys seen that movie, uh, Just Friends? It was like With a- Ryan Reynolds. It's a Christmas movie where the, like the mom is singing to the sons, the adult sons, do your best, do, do your, your best. best. <laughs> My other favorite line of that movie is where the little kid is like, I was slapping the hand to that earlier today. Oh, she, and she was which like- Which ham did you slap? <laughs> not, not the, the one for <laughs> Christmas or whatever. <laughs> yeah, which ham did you slap? Or where they're, they're on this like three-way call and she like picks up the phone. It's like when back when they had like house phones and she picks up the phone and she's like, Jimmy, what are you doing at Carol's? Like she can't understand that he's in the house <laughs> that he's too. Just picked up the receiving end. Yeah, she like tries to make a call and he's already on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, so hey, we're gonna start it out like usual this week of what's good. So you can tell me a story about yourself. You can tell me something you like. I don't yeah. care. What's good over there? What's good with me is since we started this podcast, you've heard me call myself a turtle a lot. Mm-hmm. You know. Before this podcast, I'd never really actually legitimately related myself to turtles. For as often as I say that, like, I mean, I'm always slow and methodical, but I've never truly made the connection. Yes. And since doing that, I've reflected on how many freaking turtle figurines and little turtle things I have. You have a lot of turtles in your home. I do. (laughs) And I didn't even know. Like, I even have, like, turtle, like, pajama pants and, like, necklaces. And I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't even know I had all this turtle stuff. You're so really, I guess I like turtles. Are you like- <laughs> okay, man. Yeah. Yeah, it was funny because I was in your place earlier today and I saw this, like, um maybe, like, an amber or quartz, like, turtle figurine. I was like, that's weird. Like, yeah, there's- that one was given to me. That is wild. Yeah, so half of these turtles were, like, gifts to me and then half of them are random ones that I have Purchase. Oh my god. I'm going to pick up on your turtle energy for a second here and this is sometimes what I do cuz I'm a little once in a while I get a little woo woo and I just want to add something to the podcast. So let's look up turtle symbolism here oh, for a second. Oh lordy. <laughs> okay, so what I'm reading off the top. Turtle symbolism and meanings include longevity, perseverance, steadfastness, protection, retreat, healing, tranquility, the earth, and mm. transformation. There's actually I mean those are all things that I very much value and strive for i suppose yeah i think animal symbolism i mean if i'm really going off the the edge of the earth here there's some like old union psychology philosophies that talk about animal symbolism mm-hmm. and i i can kind of see where it comes from honestly yeah and so i don't know what the rabbit symbolizes probably like humping <laughs> <laughs> no i i think you should well you should check out what the rabbit right. symbolizes now i'm like yeah now we gotta know now i'm getting really now we're curious. on this tangent so ride along with us hey enjoy the ride party people <laughs> this is not what you signed up for but this is what you're gonna get <laughs> welcome to life rabbit symbolism and meanings include sensitivity boo oh come on now <laughs> yeah i am a sensitive flower inside but i pretend i'm not gentleness fertility that's what's up humping i told you humping okay haste new beginnings the moon and good luck oh that's i what's think up. you know the new beginnings and the and the moon and good luck seem mm-hmm. yeah did you um ever see that quiznos commercial when it was like maybe it might have been 20 years ago where there was like these little tiny furry monsters that were singing about Quizno subs and they're like, we love the moon. 
soon. It is good to us. <laughs> I don't think I have, oh my actually. God. Okay, anyway, well, that's what We're ran through my head with the fuzzy creatures. So, so I, what's good for you? Yeah, I can share with you what's good. So I, I had one thing, but I'm going to give you a different thing because okay. something happened today. So oh, shit. for several days, I've gotten into my car and there has been an odor, let's call it, <gasps> a smell, a smelly smell. Oh, no. And as I have... Kind of my personality style, I guess, is just to ignore things as they grow and build. Like, I just, I'm like, I need to get a butt cramp. <laughs> I was just like, oh, all right, that's in there. Day one, that's in there. Day two, oh, that's, I thought it'd that's go away. in here. What yeah. the heck? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd go away. Day three, I was like, that is becoming odiferous. Like, if that's a word, it's. Right. It, You're like, someone hit a freaking. That's like pungent. something in my house. Yeah, yeah. Something is pungent. And um, my partner actually had driven the car. He's like, do you, like, what is that? And I was like, I, I don't know. know. I'm becoming nose blind to it. So today I got in my car and it was absurd. The what? The stank was unreal. So I was looking all around the place. Side note, cut to a story two weeks previous to now where I arrived to work. I searched my bag for my lunch and could not find my lunch and thought, okay, well, I, I guess I'm left it. Yeah, I'm just the absent minded professor. I'll just, I don't know. Like, I guess I won't eat. And I guess it's just gone into the astral plane. Like, it's teleported <laughs> off of this mortal coil. I just don't have lunch. Like, and I just accept things like that so fast. I'm just like, okay, th- I'm not getting that's lunch. That's such a flexible, like, that's an impressive, flexible thing. Like, sometimes when I get a thing, I am digging. I, I, like, I am not dropping it until I fucking figure it out. That's pretty, hilarious. I pretty much do learn helplessness like immediately. Like I just float like a rat in the in the pool of water. I'm like, whatever, I don't care. You're like running on to the next thing. Yep, just yeah. like it just doesn't matter. Like if I guess I'm not eating. So anyway, I didn't even clock it that it was missing. And what was missing was two eggs in a oh, small no. container. Fast forward to the moment in time. The rotting egg smell in your car. <laughs> Today where I finally discover them. And what I pulled out from underneath my seat was basically like, I don't know, the devil's eggs. I, I'm not even sure. They were green. They were molding. They the smell. Do you I, like green eggs and ham? Oh, baby, not this time. Not this time. I literally told my partner, I was like, stay in the room. Stay in the room. And I brought them into the house because I had to like, double bag them yeah. before putting them into the garbage can. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's my what's good is I found the smelly smell. I've extricated the smelly smell. This and you and, breathe the fuck out of your car. Um, I just kind of like left the windows out. rolled down. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, that works. But this has happened to me like, this is not the first time. Oh my God. Like this is probably, <laughs> I don't know, like the sixth time. There's yeah. a couple of other instances that stand out to me. So like, this is a long this is this is where we're going. But one time I had a beef patty, oh. like in and like it was wrapped in like a like a plastic. Yeah, thing, yeah. And it fell between like in the, the stove. In the pit of despair. Yeah. Yes. It, <laughs> yes. In it the fell. Pit of despair. And in my mind, I just like I didn't even see. It's like it was there. And then I just assume whenever I've lost something, and this is maybe I've got a touch of the ADD. I'm not sure because I assume if I've lost something, like. I've misplaced it or I was crazy in the first place and it never existed and it's all been a vivid hallucination. <laughs> like that's where I'm at. So like one time I was cooking these patties and it like and it teleported off yeah, of Yeah, and you're like, I guess I didn't cook those patties. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't, I guess I'm missing one. And then I was like, maybe I just never did that in the first place. And so I'm, you know, because I'm a little at times unglued from reality. And then it just, it dawned upon me Three months later, after the smelly smell in my apartment became very apparent that that is where the patty had gone into the pit of despair. It just fell into the pit of despair uh, between the oven yeah. and the like mm, the edge of the cabinetry. Right. Same thing happened to me one time with a full gallon of milk. Oh, no. Yes. So it was in the trunk. I had gone grocery shopping, full ass gallon of milk. And I like brought you all the groceries. The well, no, like here's the crazy part. It had rolled underneath a part of the fabric in your trunk that was like yes it was like sticking out i feel like somebody's messing with you like they're like like something on the astral plate is like just like catting your stuff (laughs) off the side (laughs) like oh hey sonny like see if you can find this three weeks later (laughs) 
They're reality testing with me and I am failing. I'm like, I don't actually know. I just assumed that never existed. So I was like, I was telling my then partner, I was like, I know that I bought milk and this person was not the greatest human it was very gaslighting it was like you did not do that right you did not do this thing maybe that's a root of why you just don't believe yourself (laughs) i have no some of those like past trauma maybe yeah maybe like because i just start to i'm like i guess i never did do that i just like accept other people's reality and then three fucking weeks later it's very clear that my reality was true and that the milk became lodged under this fabric in the back of the trunk yeah i cleared out a gas station that way i like pulled over open my trunk and, and everyone like, ran <laughs> people were like what is like people were like happening? looking at you like i don't know who you killed but you need to get rid of that body somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> it's a dead fucking body <laughs> it was really bad anyway that's my what's good it's probably uh, too long but there it is i love it there it that is was, it, it is good it's good to get rid of smelly smells that yeah. are not enjoyable yeah so what'd you do for your outside of podcast practice So we were going to reach out to friends and share emotions and that kind of stuff. So I did get to see some old friends. Like, they're probably the oldest friends that I know. night golfing. Yes. Yes. I went night golfing. That's an old school thing that we did in high school all the time. My family likes to do it. Basically, you have glow balls. Oh. So your balls glow in the dark and you – yeah. So you can never lose them, which is wonderful. I like that. You get them in the rough or in the trees, you're going to find them. It's like if golfing had a baby with a rave. You know I'm into raves. Yeah, yeah, basically. (laughs) And really, we just, you know, it's more about having fun. We don't keep score. We just kind of drive around and hit our balls. Yeah. (laughs) Find your glow balls. Yeah, that is fun. And we hadn't seen each other in almost a year. Like, we always try to at least get together once a year. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So we hung out, talked shared our emotions and what's going on and it was good how do people like do you notice a change in how people respond to you when you share a little bit more about your emotional experience it depends on the person okay yeah we're used to having those slumber party lay next to each other and like explore our emotions and the problems that we're having kind of conversation so it's it wasn't unusual or awkward for us to to dive into what's effed up Mm-hmm. So basically, wh- yeah, like when you know somebody is safe, it's a big benefit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. But once they, but if they haven't passed that marker, then it's... Then I just don't share and I just listen to whatever they're going about. Yeah. How'd you <laughs> feel after you did the, like, emotional vulnerability with the friends? I mean, it was good. I, I, it's always good. Yeah. I mean, it is. How did you do? Um, I didn't, I actually altered it a little bit this week. So I was going to be a little bit more vulnerable, open with friends. And I actually had a really shitty set of circumstances this last week. I'm not going to go into it. But basically, I ended up trying to do it with my partner more. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I really wasn't actually also understanding that person's emotions Mm -hmm. at all. And so I... Yeah, because the shitty circumstance was affecting him too. Yes, exactly. And so... in a different way. Very much so. Very much so. And I process differently, a lot differently. So I ended up actually using my skills to say what I felt, then ask what they felt, and say what I felt and ask what they felt mm. over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, well, and part of that was o- asking those open-ended questions, right? Yes. So you did, you did do that. Yes. Yeah. And what I noticed is that my partner is uh, a little less inclined to be emotional. We're both not very emotional people, actually. And so it actually required me modeling it and showing what it looked mm-hmm. like actually helped them go through it more and so I noticed I was like oh this is something I need to actually be aware of because the more I even if it's scary the more I'm a little bit more vulnerable because I think I'm kind of like I've been told I'm a little threatening (laughs) (laughs) I I don't get it but I have been told that um because you're a badass that is very kind of you. It does not feel that in the inside it feels like screams. Externally, you you seem like a badass, so people are intimidated. I, I appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, it's funny because it's just all screams, bottom to top, inside, <laughs> and like <laughs> confusion about whether I'm having hallucinations at all times. <laughs> like, so it's not the internal landscape, but yeah. sure, externally, you know, maybe. Yeah, you hold it together well. Yeah, right. I just keep that blank face. <laughs> and so it was the more I modeled it to my partner who yeah. is a safe person yeah. the better that the he, conversation went yeah. yeah yeah so good that was kind of my homework that's cool so what are we talking about today 
Well, today we're actually going to be talking about a specific diagnosis. Narcissism. Narcissism. The deep, dark, the yeah. scary, scary, the bad, bad. Well, I mean, yeah. The, They're the ones that you need to be careful with. Yes. yes I don't yes, want to yes. say the bad, bad. The sometimes uncomfortable in relationship. Yes. 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 So if you are a person who has narcissistic personality disorder, it is possible to do something about that. Yes, we're going to Yeah, we'll get there. We're going to be talking more today about people who are not yet motivated right. to change it. Yes. And who are um really stuck in it and mm -hmm. are getting a lot of benefit from narcissistic behaviors right. and how to handle that more so than people who have a very slight flavor of it. This is more the severe end. Yes. This is somebody severe. who meets full criteria and mm -hmm. does not want to change because it, they don't think it would behoove them. Yes. Behoove. Yes. It will not. And and so that's a very different personality profile than somebody who maybe like picked up. Couple, yeah, yeah. Has like a couple sprinkled in traits. Mm -hmm. Again, so those would be people who don't meet diagnostic criteria, but maybe there are a couple couple things that they ping on yeah they and, just don't meet the full thing yeah sometimes you can catch that from a parent who's fully narcissistic mm -hmm. for example like if they're if they've got really low empathy and right. you might just get a little couple pings of that um and that's not actually as huge of a deal as long as you're motivated to change it right but and if you have like manic episodes too sometimes that can present oh, with some of these yeah these flavors as well mm -hmm. like if you're in an extreme manic episode Yep, if you are having psychosis or even sometimes some um, substance use conditions yeah. can look a little more like narcissism. Yeah. And these are changeable, but how many psychologists or social work does it take to change a light bulb? One, one. but you have to like be ready to, is that yep. the thing? one, but okay. it's got to want to change. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so we're talking about people today protecting yourself maybe more so from people who are not interested in changing. Right. So lay it on me. What's narcissism? Do you want me to do the DSM, what the DSM says first? Yeah. And you know what? If it's okay if I just kind of we like talk through the examples of how we actually see it present in session, like yeah. when you say the example, that I think could be useful for the audience. Okay. The first thing that the DSM actually says is that narcissistic personality disorder is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, so in fantasy or behavior, need for ad admiration and lack of empathy beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. And keep in mind what that is meaning, you guys, is that when, when they say it's present in a variety of contexts, they mean it's stable. Yes. Like this isn't something that presents for a couple weeks, like you're wiling out, but then you go back to normal. It right. is something that like no matter what is done, this is here. Right. And it doesn't matter if they are in a setting with their partner or their peer or if they're in with a boss or whatever have you in every single setting – these are patterns in their behavior. Right. And it usually does cause interpersonal disturbance. So like yes. their their relationships are disturbed. Their occupation is disturbed. They don't feel great about it. Right. Like it's it's a disorder. Well, it's sometimes an ego syntonic disorder. So ego dystonic means that like it doesn't feel good to the person because it's not consistent with how they see themselves. Right. Ego syntonic means like Sometimes I'm not actually interested in changing this because I feel pretty good right, about it. Right, because it actually makes me feel really, really great about myself. Yeah, so this is one of the disorders that can be egosyntonic, yeah. um, which is interesting and, and more rare. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so the first uh, criteria is has a grandiose sense of self-importance. Mm-hmm. So we see that play out a lot in terms of like, let's say I have a client show up. One big thing I see is like... Oh, let's say my client before that took two extra minutes and I show up at 9.03 a.m. instead of 9 o'clock on the dot mm -hmm. a.m. Mm -hmm. And I get a verbal smackdown from the next person in the lobby saying that I was late yes. and that their time is exceptionally important and that no one can understand how important their time is. That would be like a, a, a ringing – either Example. they've had a really – bad morning which is totally possible and right. i just kind of clock it and i'm like all right well we'll just right sorry apologize about that. that's and, life man yeah <laughs> apologize and move on and be like yeah. sorry that previous person was crying like that's just yeah sorry i, I <laughs> couldn't let i was deep in somebody's trauma and i couldn't just sew it up and shove them out sorry about that <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> the, it was all over the ground my dude yeah. i'm really sorry and so you apologize and you move on but it's like something that can come up of like usually it triggers like a a narcissistic injury or a narcissistic rage mm -hmm. and somebody who may be a little more um, 
may not be criteria. Yeah. 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 Somebody who's entitled might get like ragey or angry or tongue lashy. Like they'll get in your shit about it. Whereas somebody who doesn't have those criteria might just be like, hey, like my time's really important to me. Be like, yep, I'm sorry. Moving on. And within grandiosity too, it's, I see it in session where instead of coming to me and telling me about your problems, you're actually kind of bragging about how smart and skilled you are with various things and you really want to talk about that especially in the beginning you're like you're putting up this face that like i'm here but a lot of times i'm here because somebody needed me to but here's all the ways that i'm magical right and also (laughs) why this other person is stupid right and why they don't even see how wonderful i am yeah and a lot of times in session and this again this is pretty rare we don't come across this a lot right but a lot of times in session what it feels like is you're being held hostage by somebody telling you about how good they are and how many accomplishments they have and you have the kind of internal sense as you're doing the session of like well why are we here then so if you're doing this well if everything is going this good what can I actually help you with Mm -hmm. and even the process of them telling you that something could be going wrong or that they do need help in some kind of way it almost never comes out and that's kind of like another giveaway that uh, it's like it's like like eventually I'm kind of like well it seems like you got everything going the way you want it to go so yeah (laughs) ta-ta doodles yeah it's like that you might be a redneck you might be a narcissist (laughs) you might be a narcissist when you go to therapy and say there's nothing wrong and I and I love everything and actually let me just use this hour to tell you how cool I am exactly right so other criteria um so the next one is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success power brilliance beauty or ideal love Mm. so that sometimes is hard to see as a therapist and as a person in the world because it's an internal dialogue but a lot of time with people who have extreme narcissism it'll come right out right they're they're wanting to again they're wanting to brag about the the reasons that they are so wonderful (laughs) and (laughs) successful and i was this and i did this and i earned this yeah yeah I've had patients before tell me that they were part of the royal family. Um, yeah. Oh, think celebrity name drop or those kind mm-hmm. of things. Like, I worked with this person. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay, that's cool. And again, one or two of these is fine. It's yes. just when it's happening every when session. consistent. You start <laughs> to learn. You're like, okay, <laughs> something is going on here. And it's really interesting because as therapists, one thing we start to notice is, okay, how are the other people in this person's world perceiving them based on how they're presenting to session? So again, it has to be a pattern, but we start to get the flavor of like, if this person is talking to their boss or their spouse right. or their tra- the child. The way that they're talking to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is going to be wild. There's not going to be. Yeah. They're invalidating everybody they come in contact with mm-hmm. because it's not the same perspective that they have. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Other criteria? Uh, the next one is believes that he or she is special and unique and can only be understood by or should associate with other special or high status people. Yeah. This As is... a social worker, I see this when they find out I'm just a social worker. I was just going to use that example. <laughs> I was just going to use that example. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. You took my – that is – that happens yes. all the time. Like, oh, you're not a doctor? Well, then fuck you, bye. Yeah. They'll say, I can only be understood by a doctor. And right. then they transfer to my damn caseload. <laughs> right. And then I'm in there like, oh, And then they find out you're not an MD. And they're yeah. like, well, that's not okay. I need to have therapy with a psychiatrist. Uh-huh. And it's like, that's not how this works. We don't actually do that. We <laughs> right. don't actually do that. That doesn't happen. Yeah. A lot of times what I will see is somebody will... And again, it is normal to switch providers in certain contexts. Like if you're not getting along with them and if you tried like certain styles of thing, like we're not going to just upfront judge that. But a lot of times the reason will sound something like if it's narcissism, it'll be like, this person is not educated enough. Right. They weren't educated enough to understand me. Without actually having any additional After like one session or two. Or or maybe even sometimes before they even see the social worker that happens. So I'll get people showing up on my caseload and say like, this is only, only you can understand me because you have this special education or degree. And then they'll kind of try to suss out if they think my undergraduate or graduate degree is like fancy enough. And so one of my degrees sounds very fancy Mm. on the surface. So they get really excited about that degree. (laughs) And then they start to talk about like how we are the same. Right. And I studied psychology and I did this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in my research, like we'll (laughs) – 
<laughs> and we're like, you mean you're Googling, homie? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Like, cool. But this is – and the reason why we're presenting it like this in terms of what we see in session right. is because you're going to see these things just in your interpersonal life with these people. And mm-hmm. it can kind of let you know, like, okay, here's what I'm handling. Here's what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. Or if you even have some of these traits – on your own, just maybe one or two of them, it's not meeting full criteria, you can clock them then. It'd be easier right. to recognize. Yeah. Just because you maybe do relate to some of these, don't start beating yourself up. Mm-mm. That's not the point yet. No. Mm-mm. So the next one is just requires excessive admiration. Mm. So that is that is what it says it is. It, they're they're seeking, seeking you to reinforce all the ways that they are magical and wonderful. You need to acknowledge that I am a an, am a beautiful little unicorn mm-hmm. and that that everybody else is wrong and it's all their fault because I'm this perfect thing. Right. And so you are in a therapy context often as a therapist you're forced to acknowledge kind of low effort sorts of things that you wouldn't really want to acknowledge for people so they'll come in and be like, "Well, I got out of bed today." And while that actually can be a huge achievement for a lot of people, seriously. Guys, that is. It can be. It can be. It can be. It really can, especially for me. But like when you have been working on other higher level stuff and when they don't do the stuff that you're kind of When you know they're capable of more, especially Mm -hmm. because they've said how much capable they are but that was the thing they come in with is i got out of bed and then they get super mad when you don't talk about how hard it was that they got out of bed today yeah that's just another sign like needing special praise for very basic achievements Mm -hmm. like took out the garbage today yeah as i say in relationship it's those kind of chores things like mm -hmm. oh i did the dishes today or i babysat our children oh girl don't don't i know don't you dare say you babysat your own fucking children yeah those are your kids that's called parenting (laughs) you are a parent my dude yeah (laughs) like sorry you had to be alone with them by yourself for a couple things like you don't i'm not throwing you a parade yes yes (laughs) (laughs) you don't get a i babysat parented parade the next one on this is has a sense of entitlement unreasonable expectations of specially favorable treatment or automatic compliance with his or her expectations Right. So in therapy and relationships, it tends to come out the same. In yeah. therapy, you, people will say, like, I need three sessions a week. I need it an hour long and I need you basically to be on call. And it's like that is n- nowhere near an evidence-based trial of no. any kind of treatment. And that would not be something I would recommend to anybody. And yet you are demanding that I be on call to you. And it's very upsetting when I have other patients that yes, I yes. need to Cause you, be they, helping. They believe they should be the number one priority. Mm-hmm. They can't conceptualize that you do have other clients or you do mm-hmm. have other people in your life because they are the most important person. Mm-hmm. And when you set boundaries on it, when you say like- They get pissed. Yeah, pissed. Like, hey, you can have one session a week. I can call you back within 48 hours. You need to use the crisis line, whatever it is. There is a deep, deep level of anger and resentment that happens. And you'll see that in relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're like, if you are not available to them for whatever they need, then what happens is they start to get really angry at you. And usually what that means is even if you set a boundary, if you're just like, I can't do this for you, not even if you say your own need. Right. Heaven forbid if you say your own need, then there's going to be. Yeah. If you just simply say, I can't do this. If you set any kind of boundary, you're like, yeah, you're not even verbalizing what you have going on in your life. You're just saying, ah, nah. Mm -hmm. Mm. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, dog. That's a no (laughs) from me, dog. (laughs) That's when things start to get real. Right. Next one is interpersonally exploitative. So they take advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends. Yeah. So a lot of times what this ends up being is I'll get somebody who doesn't tell me that they have like a rap sheet, for example, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Totally fine to have one. But what ends up happening is they're like, well, I need you to write a a letter to the cop saying that That I'm a wonderful person and this is all bullshit. Yeah, yeah, and and that I actually didn't hit my wife because I'm not capable of that. And you're like, hmm, it seems like you could be capable of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually. <laughs> and I'm not going to give you special treatment by writing you a letter. That's another whole ass thing. Like as professionals, we don't – we often don't, unless we're specifically involved in the legal system. Right. That's not really our place. Yeah. Like we're here it's, for treatment. Yes, we're here to treat you not for forensic evaluation involvement uh-uh. no because that's not the that is not our setting unless you're in that setting and then of course right. you are writing those documents but right 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 there's a time and place for that but, but even when i was in the prison system i'm not writing 
no evaluations or like letters my the evaluations were for treatment and the evaluations mm-hmm. were whether or not they were successful in treatment that's the only letter writing i'm freaking doing mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going to actually say that you're ready to be out in the world i'll just say here's how you did in treatment right exactly there are very special people designed to, to do those evaluations yeah it's They're usually paid specifically for that yes exactly they're usually psychologists the evaluation takes all day they do a number of different psychosocial batteries and tests that are standardized mm-hmm. and normalized and they come up with this whole report you'll know it's happening it's not a treatment setting right Anyway, so yes, they will often ask for special things. Yeah. And in your relationships too, that they'll, they will take advantage of you or your kindness. And again, like we talked about with those jelly beans, they expect those jelly beans are theirs. You have no right to those jelly beans, even though they're yours, they are my jelly beans. Yeah. They get it without asking, no matter what, no matter what. The next piece is lacking empathy, is unwilling to recognize or identify with the feelings and needs of others. A lot of this comes up, you know, this actually happens to us in sessions sometimes, but this can relate to emotional abuse, mm-hmm. boundary violation, calling people names. And we can actually get into that at some point, narcissistic emotional abuse when right. we've gotten all the criteria. Yeah. The next one is... Often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. Right. That comes up, the believes others are envious, mm-hmm. a lot of of why am I in the court system? Why has... Right. This happened because they were jealous of me. Yeah. Why did my partner take away my children or try to take away my children or whatever? It's because they're too threatening, they're too successful, et cetera. And there really are times actually with clients where I see clients are too threatening and successful and that it does lead to something negative, but it's not like, again, this pattern where something really, really bad happens all the time and then the justification is, I'm just too good. Right. Well, and you'll see this in relationships where when you have something good happen in your life, when you have a small success or even a big success, instead of celebrating that success with you, they put you down or tell you that it's not good enough or that you should be doing better. Yes, exactly. And what's the last one? The last one is shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitude. Haughty. And and that's just basically what you would think of. I mean, <laughs> you talked about the psychologist in the prison who would just kind of like oh, lean yes. back and Yes, like he ha- definitely had he had a counseling he degree. He had a counseling degree. He definitely had these narcissistic tendencies. Yeah, just like he was a hundred percent a narcissist. Yeah. He met criteria full on. To- which is probably talk. why I didn't like him. Yeah, talk the whole time, put his hands behind right. his head. When he would make therapy about him and how smart and educated he is and how stupid the other person is instead of <laughs> oh, validating and helping the other person. That's absolutely brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Come to therapy to get help and instead you get beaten down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, more narcissism. Cool. Yeah. So um, we'll talk a little bit today also about narcissistic emotional abuse and we can distinguish that a little bit between the pop psychology version and the real deal so there's this really interesting like pop psychology phenomenon going on where everybody says that they're being emotionally abused Mm. and let me be really clear emotional abuse narcissistic abuse is a pattern of sustained behavior that is present across a lot of different environments i will say narcissists will tend to try to hide their behavior a little if they know that it's bad so they might not abuse you in front of friends or something like that but it's not one negative statement it's not one raised voice it's not one name it is often an amalgam like a complete set of weird crap that goes on that right. creates it it's not your teacher being mean to you once etc right. yeah it, it is a consistent behavior and again like we said in in the beginning when you first meet them they tend to be pretty charming mm-hmm. um you can get entranced entranced by their stories or like they they will flatter you in the beginning because mm-hmm. you know they're they're wooing you Oh, I get I get taken in by narcissists every time. It's a it is like my Achilles heel. Mm. I always joke that if you like set me in a field, they will like smell the <laughs> smell whatever energy I've got, and they'll just be like running like zombies from the hills. Like, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> I smell her. Yeah, I mean they can't. That, that's exactly how people get in it, lost yeah. in it. Something interesting that I found was that part of this wooing, like how they. How they do draw you in and is they actually are mirroring your good traits. They can see what is beautiful and wonderful in you and they mirror that to draw you in and make, you know, a lot of times we are so self-critical that we don't even see the ways that we are. So we're like, wow, this person is all these great things. 
But no, they were actually just mirroring your traits to hook, line, and sink you. My face is like the surprised Pikachu face meme right now. <laughs> I am just like with my mouth open. I guess I didn't even notice that, but that is true. Yeah. People who are narcissistic often are really adept at assessing their environment and kind of showing it back because a lot of times the ability ability to empathize and engage with other people emotionally it's is, pretty superficial yeah yeah they can't fully understand you know they can't regulate or understand their own emotions so they're trying to uh, like regulate yours kind yeah. of and and through all that like they step in and they're like okay so what do i need to be in this environment to be successful right well it reminds me of like the wild <laughs> it reminds <laughs> me of nature where there's like you know let's say a cuttlefish and it tries to look like other fish or rocks mm. or things because yeah. it's like not really so much its own entity and it like survives by mimicking its environment yes a hundred percent very interesting so what's interesting though to, to with that is then you basically fall in love with yourself guys like Aww. that's like kind of a little sweet because yeah. it's like we it's some, like if you would just acknowledge the ways that you're wonderful yeah you could yeah. protect against this sort of predatory behavior uh yeah yeah. Self-esteem is a narcissist antidote. Self-love and self-compassion is a narcissist antidote. And stay tuned. We will be talking about that soon. But not yet today. So emotional abuse is a pattern of behaviors used by one partner or person to maintain power and control over another partner or person in some kind of intimate relationship. And that yeah. can be a workplace. Like it, Oh, definitely. It, yeah. And just because somebody is emotionally abusing you doesn't mean that they're necessarily narcissistic. So, not always. It's no, a high correlation, but not cor always. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's a lot of other diagnostics that could also fall into this criteria. But I do have emotional abuse things yes. that I, I'm going to just throw out there for you guys to marinate. Marinate, marinate. So does your partner ridicule or insult people you like? Mm -hmm. Usually it's friends you're really close to or family you're really close to. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to, the end game is try to isolate you. Yeah. And then another isolating thing, you know, maybe intercepting your mail, your phone calls. Again, that's not necessarily in correlation with narcissism, but it is emotional abuse. Yeah. Yep. If you feel like you're walking on eggshells. You constantly feel like you don't want to bring things to your partner or bosses mm -hmm. or whoever's attention because they're going to flip shit on you. Right. Yeah. You don't know how they're going to respond. Yep. That's a problem. Ever. Does your partner claim to be more aware of the ways of the world than you are? Oh, Lord have mercy. That one has happened to me so many times. I think this is one that happens to like younger females a lot. Yeah. Is people pretend that they know stuff right. that, that they oh, don't honey, know. honey, you don't even know. Girl, I'm going to lose it. Like <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me come at you. I'm going to flip this whole station. I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> I Chip, I will roundhouse kick you. Like, I will. I'm going to go Chuck Norris on that shit. Does your partner claim to know the right way to do things and that you don't know what's right? Oh, yeah. So again, they're trying to make you not trust your own instincts, not trust your own emotions and your own behaviors. They're, they're gaslighting you. Yeah. Is that, is that pipes, pop psychology term? Yeah. Gaslighting is basically just saying they know something, even though your experience tells you clearly a different thing. Right. Saying yeah. that so something. So you're feeling depressed and they're like, you're not feeling depressed. You're this. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, they're claiming to know your experience better, your own internal landscape better than you would, which is bananas. Yes. But we fall victim to it. I mean, it, it yes. happens. Yes. Does your partner interrupt your work or other things that are important to you to get his or her needs met? Uh, yeah, I've had this happen so many times. Again, they should be the number one thing in your life. It doesn't matter what else you're involved with or how important that is. Even if it's your freaking children. Right. They should be your number one and you should drop everything to meet their needs or wants. Right. Like say you're going to go on vacation. This has happened to me before. Say you're going to go on vacation. You plan the whole vacation. You try to bring the other person along. They don't want to come on the vacation and they're saying the vacation's okay and then you leave and they pout about the vacation. They're texting about the vacation. They're calling and saying you're a terrible person while you're gone about the vacation trying to ruin or like let's say you have a, a really important paper due or a really important mm -hmm. work interview. Interview. Yep, or an interview. They will find some way to kind of like sabotage it and yeah, make it about cause them. like a crisis, mm -hmm. so that you can't be fully present mm -hmm. with whatever else you are trying to focus on. Exactly. Does your partner demand detailed reports of your activities? Yeah, I had that one. Monitoring activities, stalking, cameras, trackers, yes. always seeming to know where you are. I've had so many clients have their cars mm -hmm. tracked or uh, bugged. Yes, or they'll turn on like the um 
what's that thing on your phone where it's it finds your signal and it it's like basically a tracker your yeah. location services oh okay yeah. so they'll turn that on on your phone without you knowing and then kind of monitor it or they'll install like yeah. some kind of like spyware on your yeah. computer hey if you have snapchat guys you need to go into your locations and make yourself unknown because people anybody can see where you're at on that that's wild i did yeah. not know that you know me and social media i get so i don't paranoid. know social media either but somebody told me how to de identify myself on there because otherwise you can just go into your friends and it's going to tell you where they are in the map so even if you don't even if they haven't put a tracker on you they could be trying to track you through that shit oh gross i hate that i hate that okay does your partner tell you that no one else would want you Mm, that's self-explanatory yeah does your partner force you to apologize for things you didn't do Yes. Or like you just end up apologizing for stuff, but they never reciprocate for their part. Yes. Does your partner call you names with sexual connotations like slut or whore or Mm -hmm. those kind of things? Mm -hmm. Threaten to make public things that you have said or done in private moments. They're like, I'm going to tell everyone that you did this thing Mm -hmm. and shame you about it, even though... Even though maybe it actually wasn't that big of a thing, but they're making you think it's a big thing and that everyone's going to hate you because of it. Yeah. So threats and threats combined with humiliation. Yep. Mm -hmm. Blaming and shaming. Does your partner tell you that suicide or mental illness will result if you leave or withdraw your love? Y'all, that is my biggest pet peeve. We have all been a little depressed from time to time. Yeah. Many of us have had some really dark thoughts. This is not... And many of us manage those dark thoughts by therapy meds getting the hell out of the house talking to your friends whatever right engaging those coping skills right getting the coping skills on deck but what is not appropriate what is not okay is using that to confine somebody to you yes. that is not all right no it's not an okay thing to put on them no because you have no control over what they do or mm-hmm. say or or how they manage their mental health exactly and that can be used as a way as to a tool a, to emotionally keep you trapped yep exactly just as you're thinking of leaving or after you've been abused, does your partner pamper you with gifts? Mm-hmm. You know, again, sometimes how they keep you stuck is they beat the fuck out of you, basically, emotionally or, or know, physically. Or physically. Mm-hmm. And then they come back with flowers and say, oh, blah, 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 blah. And with that, then they express so much sorrow, guilt, or self-hate that then you are the one who's comforting them. Mm, yeah they turn it around so that you are this is kind of basically what trauma bonding is yeah so where somebody is the one that hurts you Mm -hmm. then they're the one that also heals you right and you then end up comforting them afterwards that whole process creates something that's called a trauma bond so a lot of us who have been trauma bonded to somebody once we get into a normal, healthy, stable relationship, we're basically like, why is this so boring? Yeah. But it's because it's healthy, because the trauma bond is not in right. place. And they'll say that. I mean, part of that is that a gaslighting, they'll say that the abuse is a sign of deep love or a fear of losing your love. They're like, I just, I'm just so passionate and in love with you that that's why I take it to these extremes or that's why I get so upset and freaking throw you against a wall. You know, yeah. like, yeah. it's like, no. Yeah, that's not acceptable. That's not, that's not, that is not love, guys. It's not. Yeah. That's them that's them trying to keep you trapped yep it's and and also they've done some research that that isn't even true the statements that they're right. making aren't even true they don't lose it's all control. manipulation yep yep they don't yeah, actually it, it's control. a power control thing yeah they yeah. intentionally can turn it on and turn it off right right absolutely which is why think about it why they don't emotionally abuse you in a public space exactly you see this a lot with the domestic violence stuff uh, a, a example that we'll use in therapy sometimes to prove that, for example, he's he's yelling. I say he. This can be women or too. she. Whoever. They're yelling they. at their partner and are are screaming obscenities, and then the phone rings and they answer it, and they're like, "Hello." Mm-hmm. They're able to shut it off that fast, or the cops get called. Yes, and then suddenly, and all of a sudden, the the one person has hysterical, and they're very calm, and they're like, "I don't know why why they're being so crazy about mm-hmm. this." Yeah, Mister mm-hmm. or Mrs. Congeniality. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, yeah, yep. They lie about insignificant things. Mm-hmm. This is a very common one with narcissism in yeah. particular, not just like global emotional abuse, but, but yeah. Narcissism. Again, part of it is they're lying about all their beautiful achievements and accomplishments, and why. And then sometimes it's just lying about where they went or what they did. It's just a control tactic. It is. Mm-hmm. They need to know everything about you and what you're doing, but you can't actually know anything about what they're doing because yeah. they don't want you to have that control. Exactly. Do they groan, complain, or ridicule you? When you cry, worry, or ask for emotional support. Make light of your triumphs, discourage your plans, and disparage your success. Right. Oh, God. That disparaging the success one is so hard, too, because a lot of people who are narcissistic who also abuse 
are particularly drawn to very successful people. Mm-hmm. I tell my clients all yeah, the time. Yeah, because they want to they attach themselves to that and then say it's my – I'm the reason they're successful. Right. And, <laughs> and my clients will say to me like, oh, why is this person attracted to me? And it's because I'm so broken and I'm so fucked up. And I'm like, listen, it is not because you're broken and fucked up. It's because you're a beautiful butterfly that, yes. f- that flourishes around this planet and brings light to everything you touch. Narcissists want that. They're drawn to it. They're like yeah. dementors. They want to suck that happiness. They do. They you do. know? And part of it's because they're empty themselves like i know that's it's actually kind of sad honestly yeah Yeah. like they're so disconnected from their own emotions and and can't regulate and understand themselves to such a degree that it's all they just try to create this fake empty house basically and fill it with as many things shiny things yeah that are not theirs and it is you know i tend to take i'm kind of like a bit militant about this largely because I if I start to have empathy for this I get sucked into it Mm. I think there is a way to have empathy I I am not there yet personally but I think there is a way to have both empathy for what is sad about this and also set a boundary and stay away from it yeah personally in my own development because this is a harder thing for me to recognize I actually will not allow myself to have any empathy and I just yeah I feel like I can but I think you are I think the prison broke me yeah Yeah, it helped me get there. Yeah, I had to learn. yeah, you went through the you darkness. You don't learn today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fucking went through the darkness. I am like still at a point where I get drawn in really quickly, so I have to remind myself, like, no, no. Even though you can see why this is happening, we still stay away. We do not touch. We do not touch. Right. But again, part of why why it always feels like a roller coaster with them is because they can't regulate their emotions and they're trying to regulate yours, but they don't understand yours. They don't understand what you're experiencing. They're not in touch with themselves at all. Right. But yet they they like – it gets them a little almost even sexual high mm-hmm. when when they can make you feel something, yeah. when they can make you cry, when mm-hmm. they – you know, that can be a turn on for mm-hmm. them because they're like, damn, like I am so in control of this person that mm-hmm. I, I can make them this upset or this excited or this whatever. Man, that makes me want to throw up. But, but it's it true. But it's true. But it's true. Again, they lack empathy for your hardships or others – example would be like say you really hurt your back you're like i'm sorry i can't come and they're like oh you're gonna let a little back pain keep you from spending time with me again it's about themselves exactly it always circles around to benefiting themselves right and and it i think one thing that i know that i've experienced when i've encountered this just personally is that you notice they will use different rationalizations Mm -hmm. and different patterns of argument just depending on the day so you can never get a beat on what they actually feel or think about something and the reason is basically what Michaela just said is it's not about the argument itself it's about what thing do I want today? So yes. their stances what needs can I get from you today? Yeah. So their stances won't be consistent based on their values because it's not a value thing. It's about what can I get right now? For sure. Which is why sometimes if they sense at all that you are legitimately going to step away, that's when they love bomb you. That's when they mm-hmm. that's when they got get their little charm on and they're like, oh, but I love you so much. You can't leave me. Yeah. The pop psychology term is hoovering, sucking you back in like a hoover, hoover. vacuum. Ooh, mm-hmm. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Got this pop psychology stuff down. Yeah, I'm- man. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm really hip. I'm hip you with are. the lingo. You're a hip. You're hip with the kiddo. <laughs> Sweet Christ. <laughs> no, grandma life. So uh, now we'll probably move on to the terms that are related to narcissism, narcissistic abuse, and emotional abuse. So there's a term called codependence, and there's a term called empath, and I just really quickly wanted to touch on those. So codependency, it can be pop psychology, it can be not pop psychology, it kind of floats in between both worlds, but it refers to any enmeshed relationship in which one person loses their sense of independence and believes they need to tend to someone else at all times. It's often people who have had narcissists or substance abuse like figures in their past who have taken all their jelly beans yeah it's often people with codependent features who are sought out by a narcissist right and the term empath is related because it's kind of this 
belief that somebody has the special ability to feel what others feel, mm-hmm. but it is sometimes used more in a spiritual context. Yeah, it's generally used as like a person with heightened abilities to intuitively sense and understand the mental state of another person. Right. And that's, again, a pop psychology term. Right. There's not like this There's, is not no, in both, the DSM. <laughs> yeah, both codependent and empath are not things labeled in the DSM. Right. But it is interesting to note that they are, they do kind of originate from the public and much like folktales and things Mm -hmm. like that. They're repeated. So it's obviously capturing somebody's very real lived experience. My favorite term that really um, quantifies or um, has some scientific backing is highly sensitive person. And that's, we can do a whole nother episode on that. But the highly sensitive person is like what pop psychology would describe as an empath. Mm-hmm. It's basically just somebody who's way more sensitive to their surroundings, their right. emotions, their right. sensory system. And again, I think there's a little bit of nature and nurture there too, because yeah. I think some people are just born with an innate sense, have I, that sixth absolutely. sense yeah. where they can just yeah. feel it. And then there are also, I think, people who develop that sixth sense because they are went through so many traumas and they've walked on eggshells for so long. Mm-hmm. They've learned how to kind of look for the cracks so they don't mm-hmm. break their mother's back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, where do I step now? Like they've gotten used to having to protect themselves in that way by yeah. being aware. Yeah. Do you feel like you are a highly sensitive or empathic person? I think so. Yeah. I, I was. I can read and decipher what the hell's going on pretty well, I feel like. Were you born or made? I don't know. I mean, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. I think many therapists are a little bit of both. Yeah. I can definitely... My favorite way to phrase it is like... In Harry Potter, there is something called Nargles, and <sighs> in the book, basically, they go back to Luna school. Lovegood. Yeah, Luna Lovegood, yeah. So in the book, Harry comes back to school after seeing somebody die. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil it for those of you who hasn't read it. And previously, when he goes to school, the carts that pull them into Hogwarts look like they're being drawn by nothing. Nothing. And when he comes back one year after witnessing death and trauma, he can see Nargles, which are these like skeleton-like horse-looking creatures that pull the carriages. And he's trying to tell all of his friends, you know, I see these, I see these. And they're like, Harry, nothing is there. Right. And then these, They've never been pulled by anything. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then Luna like looks over and she's like, oh yeah, I see them too. It's because you've seen some fucked up shit, my dude. And yep. basically that's like can be some of this codependency, some of this empath, some of this highly right. sensitive person can originate from you know you can see nargles now it's basically yeah, the example right. but within that critical life lessons is to distinguish enabling from helping and distinguish codependence from love absolutely absolutely and we could have again a full nother episode about that it's going to take time for us to get through all of this stuff yeah we've got so much we want to talk about guys yeah absolutely <laughs> so briefly too i just wanted to touch on because we're running out time but i wanted to touch about how narcissism is a little different from psychopathy sociopathic stuff and antisocial personality disorder so psychopathy and sociopathy are not they're no longer dsm terms they used to be Mm -hmm. way back in the day but they are now under antisocial personality disorder right and i am starting to so and Basically how it is being told now is that all lack empathy, all tend to exploit others, all tend to have shallow relationships, but how they're different is antisocial is more aggression, impulsivity, issues with the law. Yeah, they have a disregard for the law and they really are violating the rights of others. I think of a narcissist as someone who is, they're trying to meet their own needs. They're trying to use you to meet their needs. Whereas I see an antisocial person as just like, I just like to blow shit up. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just like, like it. I just like it just, on fire. It just makes, it's fun for me to violate you. Yeah. Like, it's fun for me to hurt you. Yeah. The whereas the, whereas a narcissist, it's not necessarily fun. They're so empty that yeah. they're trying to make you feel them. Yeah. Like I need to get all of this good stuff into my body as soon as possible. Right. For, for the lay person, what I would say is this frankly can feel pretty much the same. Yeah, um, for sure. When They're, you're on the other end of it. It's, when you're in a relationship with it, they can be similar yeah they can feel really similar and it's not super important to take the time to figure out which one it is either way just run probably just gtfo (laughs) just gtfo like this is not you don't need to be a psychologist or a social worker like i've been in relationships like this and even i vacillate on like 
was this dude antisocial or was he narcissistic? I really can't tell, right? right. That that's not you're not going to figure it out. No. He's bad, right? Right, and I or say she's bad. Every, they are bad. Basically, everybody in the prison system gets labeled the antisocial personality disorder, but yeah. only a small number actually also get the narcissistic. Mm-hmm. So again, percentage wise, I think there are more antisocial personality disorder individuals like diagnostically that fit that criteria whereas narcissism is a little bit more rare Mm -hmm. i think it's more out there than maybe we recognize Mm -hmm. like but as far as studies go yeah it's been identified as rare but i right i I think it that you know it was maybe underreported i think narcissism's (laughs) high better right so somebody with a narcissistic personality disorder if they're not in legal trouble exactly they're not going to get diagnosed exactly whereas antisocial you're not hiding because you burning shit up by y'all. <laughs> like you're like, come give me coppers. I just wanna, I just wanna watch it burn. Very yeah. Joker and Batman. Yes. Very Joker yeah. and Batman. Um, so can people with narcissistic personality disorder get better? Oh, of course. When it is the see, Mikhail and I ha- share very different opinions about okay. this. Actually, okay. so you can share yours and I will share mine. But I am, you know me. I'm like fucking nope. <laughs> I think that the the reason you think nope is because. It's very rare for a narcissist to want to change. Again, they are getting their needs met. They're just jumping from person to person to make sure they're getting met. So why would I change what I'm doing when I'm getting what I want? Yep. But after somebody has maybe experienced some legit bullshit, like if they've had a come to Jesus moment Mm -hmm. and they're ready to actually work on themselves, then they can legitimately get better. Like they can start to acknowledge the things that they have and learn about themselves and and learn how to be a little bit more interpersonally effective and and try to understand other people better. I feel like for a narcissist, it just takes a really long journey to get there. The reason I feel like a lot of people think, no, they can't get better is because there's very few that take the time to take that journey because that actually means that you have to acknowledge some faults. Right. And that is a very hard thing for someone with this personality disorder to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Like it is possible, but what the research is saying right now, the research is sparse. There's not a lot of evidence-based treatments that are available that are successful for this right. sort of thing. Um, and the amount of people with narcissistic personality disorder who really do want to get better is rare. It can happen. It totally right. can happen. It's just a rarity. So what I would say for the lay person is if you really suspect you're in an emotionally abusive relationship with somebody who's narcissistic or antisocial, obviously, it's like maybe not the best to try to for years and years get, get them, them to therapy. go to therapy yeah. yeah like that will if you're going on the statistics that statistically is an unlikely thing to change based on right. what you're because again they're charming and they're gonna have to get a therapist who can see through their shit and uh-huh. like we said not all therapists are good there are some that will totally yeah. be taken by their charm their charisma charm, and yeah. they'll be like yeah no i think your partner is crazy mm-hmm. like maybe they don't say those words again right they right, don't right. but not exactly but they that, but... they might reinforce the narcissist instead yes. of actually helping them because they come in with such charm and yes and when... they're not actually wanting to change if you you can know a narcissist or anybody is ready to change when they are expressing their desires to change they're actually using some abilities they're changing some behaviors they're getting out in front of it and they're identifying what things they want to change and why that's totally separate from you nagging them yes they're acknowledging their fault that's the biggest piece right for for both antisocial and and narcissism if they aren't willing to take credit for the shit that they have pulled yeah then they're not ready to make changes. Yeah. And credit is not just an apology. Credit no. is a behavior change. It's an yes. action change. It's sustained. Words are the wind, man. People yeah. can say all that stupid shit. It's not just seven base days it, of it. Yeah, yeah. Base it on the behavior if yes. they are doing the change. Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh. We actually have even more stuff we could talk about, but we're kind yeah, of running out, out of time. time. <laughs> we're out of town and we're out of, we're out of <laughs> time. time. And we're out of time. I just can't speak. Uh, we actually might want to do a whole nother episode on some of this stuff, like recovery from narcissism and things like that. So I guess we got our work cut out for us. Homework. What do you want to try? I don't know. This is a tough one. Yeah. Can we just skip homework and i'm gonna okay i am gonna give myself related to this honestly okay. you can keep doing what you're gonna doing but I, my outside of podcast experiment is to not validate narcissistic statements or behaviors out of other people because i am like the most validating person in the world unfortunately and they eat it like candy like it's like cotton candy it's the nom noms and i gotta stop giving away the nom noms they just like bleed out of me all the nom noms and so if you're a highly validating person like 
maybe just lock it up a little and that's where I'm going to try to go with it. Right. I don't, I really don't succeed at this often, but I'm going to try. Yeah. I feel like I'm just so unconscious about my, I've learned how to handle this shit so much that I don't even pay attention. Like I'm able to do a piece of validation, but then boundary, you know, like I don't, I don't know. I feel like I've managed those. Michaela is exceptionally boundary. You are very good about it. I think that. Well, well, with professional life. With professional life, right. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm still working on my personal life. Yeah, I am. I think I'm better at it with professional life, yeah. too. Personally, I just fucking fall apart. I don't know whether I even had a hamburger on the stove or not. <laughs> like, I don't even know where that went. Did I have eggs? Probably not. Uh, anyway, so I'm going to close it out today. Uh, what note does a narcissistic pianist use to tune a piano? I don't know. Me, 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 me. Ah, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. So, guys, please rate us and review us. Yes. Follow us. Follow us on iTunes. Follow us on whatever your podcast, Podbean, any podcatcher that is available, Spotify. Yes. Find us and listen, please. Download, rate, review. Um, please consider donating at Patreon. Um, so, www.patreon.com slash shit your shrink thinks. And send us some emails of funny stories or topics you'd like us to cover at shityourshrinkthinks at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Bye. Peace. Peace.